a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Hawaiian Supercross wrap-up slash no fair, no fear, oral history story. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, fly Racing, flyracing.com. Uh, why, Gant? Do um, you have any problem with Fly Racing at all? No, I mean, they will sponsor anyone, but I could essentially say they sponsor me. I mean, I got that awesome gear that I use at the GNCC, so I, it's all good. Yeah, you're fine with it. Flyracing.com. Please check them out. Uh, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Justin Bogle, all wear Fly Racing, and uh, thanks for those guys for coming on board. Alpine Stars, Tech 10 boot, the most advanced boot in motocross today. Any issues with Tech 10 and Alpine Stars and, and, as a whole? Why again? Uh, I wouldn't know the Tech 10s. I don't have a pair of those, but uh, I do have lots of Alpine Star stuff, including Tech 7s, boots, okay. and yep. uh, some armor, and even some gear. So no problems. No problems there? All right, fantastic. Thanks yep. to the folks from Alpine Stars. Also, Maxis, Maxis uh, MXST tires developed by the King, Jeremy McGrath, used by AJ Cantanzaro in Supercross. Uh, any problems with Maxis? Why again? Uh, no. Uh, when we did our preview videos, which you can watch at RacerX Online right now, I got a couple of Jeremy McGrath toy trucks that my kid really liked. Mm-hmm. He appreciates the king. He, he understands the legends, so no problems at Max. All right, fantastic. And finally, Slick Wash, Monster Energy Pro Circuit uses it. Uh, their three-step wash system solution is fantastic. It's a, it's a better way to wash your bike. It's faster. It's safety, safer. It's easier. Uh, Monster Energy Pro Circuit uses it. Use the code Steve at checkout to save 20% on your order of any wash kit. Perfect for dirt bikes, UTVs, ATVs, mountain bikes, you name it, and your daily driver. SlickProductsUSA.com. Uh, any products, any issues with slick, SlickWash.com, SlickProducts.com? No, their ad pops up on my Instagram feed all the time. Yep. And uh, a year ago, uh, there was one with AC and his mechanic that was um, really well done uh, because AC's able to do those kind of things. Yep. Uh, that's my only experience with the product, watching their ad on Instagram. It's a good ad, so no problems. Speaking of AC, um, he texted me today and said, uh, fantastic No Fear article. I uh, really loved it. Great job on that. And I told him he is 100% the only rider that would read that top to bottom. Uh, yeah, that's 24,000, 25,000 words? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah. there's no other yeah. rider that would, that would A, read that, or B, text me. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, I'm just glad to know he's still alive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, right. see sighting. Uh, all right, let's get into the Hawaiian Supercross, uh, and we'll talk about the No Fear Oral History story as well. That's up on RacerX Online. Um, hopefully people can read it, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, as well. But uh, why can't we were the chosen ones to go. Um, we uh, went over there, and um, we'll talk about the race itself. But afterwards, every rider I talked to uh, might be the only race in history that absolutely no one cared how they did, and they just said it was cool to be in Hawaii. 
Yes, and also, according to Eric Pernard, the promoter who handles almost all of these one-off type events, mm-hmm. I mean, you name it. Uh, I think maybe Off X Open might be the only one that he's not involved with. Yeah. Uh, but everything from X Games to Straight Rhythm, he originated the U.S. Open, uh, Bercy. Minimoto, Minimoto back, back in the day. Yeah, Dur- Enduro Cross. Right. Um, <laughs> lots, of, lots of races over a long, long, long period of time. Uh, did he not say that this is the first time ever that 100% of the riders that claimed they would come actually showed up. That's a good point. Yes, he mm-hmm. had, he had contact, contracted 22 guys, uh, and he, he always has some guys that uh, don't show, get injured, uh, what, don't make their flights, who knows. And yes, yeah. exactly. Hawaii, somehow everyone made it. <laughs> everyone made Hawaiian Supercross. 22 up, 22 down. Yeah, yeah, no problem. for 22. Yeah, they loved it. <laughs> they were fantastic with it, so... Uh, yeah, it, um, it was awesome. It was fun. Um, a little disorganized, but they were, they were new to it. Um, it'll be better next year. They said they're coming back next year. Uh, a pro bowl stadium in, in downtown Honolulu. Like, wow, it's a big deal. Yeah. And there is a little history here. They did have the race back in the eighties. Uh, our buddy, Jim Holly, he told me he used to race it. Um, cause I mean, Jim Holly, you, you, is there a place he wouldn't go to to race? No, is it possible? No. Um, like the Mars Supercross, Jim Holly's there. Yeah, pretty much. Although yeah. there was a bit of controversy because I got a DM from Shane King who said that they, they, he raced in Hawaii in the early 90s. Maybe not at that stadium, though, but I, I don't know. RJ, yeah, we were discussing that today yeah. with Davey. Uh, maybe that – RJ, that's what he said. That's he said crazy. RJ Wardy were all there. Um, I don't remember yeah. anything about, reading anything about this race. But um, I don't think they were at, at, the, at this stadium. But Ron Turner won, I believe, the 85 Honolulu Supercross was the last one. Yeah, so as you mentioned, this is a stadium that did host the NFL Pro Bowl for a long time. Lots of big events. Uh, you know, Hawaii does have a university that plays some legit NCAA football. Um, but let's be honest, the stadium itself and Honolulu itself are probably the least impressive things that you're going to see uh, in Hawaii. I mean, Honolulu is okay. It's not terrible. Yeah. But it's not the greatest city you're going to go to. No. But I kind of miscalculated, uh, you know, it was a quick in-and-out trip. I didn't bring the family. I was like, I'm not going to. You were, and, and again, Eric, yeah. Eric, Eric also gave you another fun fact. Yeah. Yes. You were. Yes. <laughs> Only two people on the entire trip did not bring a significant other, me and him, because he's working 16 hours a day, and I'm just too cheap. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was there for like nine days and never went to the beach once. Uh, I was there. I went to the beach within an hour of showing up uh, by myself. The problem is I got an actual school schedule to keep my kids not from getting left back uh but my gosh the pits at about 6 p.m on saturday it was just a full-on uh nursery ward yeah just strollers everywhere i mean <laughs> any every rider seems to have a kid under four these days and they were all there um yeah it was brayton chiz um sipes bowers bowers alessi yeah just yeah babies and kids everywhere um yeah yeah so again su- surprisingly not only did all 22 riders make it, but all their wives and kids did too. It was yes, shocking. It was, it was amazing. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was fun. The track was short, 30 seconds. It was hard pack. Uh, Bubba Pauly, there was some Hawaiian pros that started the day, four of them. Uh, one got hurt, one bowed out, two raced, and we'll get to them in a second. Um, and, the one, and Bubba Pauly, unfortunately, hit one of the down guys on the uh, double in the middle of the track. And suffered an injury and didn't even make it out of the first practice, which sucks. And I think he's doing okay from what I what I saw on social media. Um, track was basic and easy, and that was fine. No one had an issue with it. Well, it kind of magically worked out really well for the racing, which we'll get into here. 
uh, it, it was like easy. Sometimes the easy tracks obviously suck, and there's nothing you can do, as they would say. But this one was almost so basic, or maybe the dirt was so slick and that almost made it technical, that I feel like the racing was awesome. I couldn't yeah. really ask for more. Uh, but they did have to tame the track down because, yes, they had those four Hawaiian pros, but they had a whole other division for amateur Hawaiian riders. And I talked to almost every one of them. None of them had ever really ridden a Supercross track ever. I think one dude had ridden a Supercross Futures at Anaheim once. But basically, they had none of the riders had ever gone through whoops in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had to accommodate that. So the track was turn, turned, turned, tuned, toned way down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it kind of worked, man. The Hawaiian Cup, the DeSoto Hawaiian Cup, it was both spectacular with the crashes, yet somehow the kids kept bouncing back up. Yeah. And it was kind of just became fun as opposed to tragic. I don't yeah. know. It worked out perfectly. Yeah. The dude who won was in another class. He probably should have been in the pro class. He was way legit. Uh, yeah, and you, I'll give you credit. I mean, literally on what, the second lap of their practice? Yeah. You, you called him? Yeah. Well, it wasn't hard. It was 199, Pastrana. Um, well, for starters, yes. And he, he picked 199 for a reason. He tripled immediately through the middle of the rhythm lane, and you're like, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and he, so he won all of it. Uh, I don't have his name in front of me, damn it. I always, I always forget, forget uh, it. Donovan Canyon and Arrow. Canyon Arrow. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I was probably butchering yeah. it all night long, but he was good. Um, and then, yeah, yeah we, had, uh, we had the amateur race. It, you know what? For a race like this, with those people that don't always get super cross and they don't all know what's going on, they don't necessarily all know the – the guys' names. You're right. The track like that, like, like if you were just going to this race to check it out, like the racing was fantastic. Like you would have been like, I'm coming back. Uh, this was great. We had we had Sipes passing Jimmy D on the last lap, right before the last lap flag. No, that was the last lap. That no, was that the was. last. That last was turn last lap. Yeah, yeah. we had we yeah. had Sipes getting Brayton with uh, with one lap to go, um, and Sipes getting him another time with one lap to go. It was like fantastic. Like it was it was everything you want in racing. Yeah, and guys were coming through the pack, and then other guys were getting good starts and going backwards like they I, I don't know I, I don't know do we just need crappy dirt in supercross does that help like if we have dirt that has no traction is that yeah, actually yeah like the best thing going because yeah. we talked to shane schaefer who's a really good track builder uh, i don't know if you were there for that they're like hey how's the dirt and he's like oh dude it's so hard to work with it's just like rock hard clay and if you water it it just gets slick and mm-hmm. they were doing everything they could to make it work and it wasn't the worst dirt I've ever seen, but it certainly wasn't the best. Wow. But it seemed to be just difficult enough where the guys could, yeah. you know, the difference being if you found the one inch of traction in the corner and the other guy missed it, yeah. you could do something. When Sykes was just a master of figuring that out. We, we were saved, too, by some cloud cover because uh, that definitely helped keep some moisture in the dirt, I felt like. We got mm, fir- first, pr- first practice was boils, boiling hot. Slick, mm-hmm. the water would not soak in, and then we got cloud cover, and yeah, it's a it, it started shaping up into somewhat of a traction, somewhat I say, at least kept the dust yeah. down, anyways. Um, but yeah, it, it it was, yeah, it was weird. Um, Sipes on a two fifty F, the only guy on a two fifty F, I believe, and um, you know he could get inside and he could use his flat track skills. I think that that bike helped him a little bit, you know. Uh, Brayton knee is in hundred percent, but I I still. I would have put Sipes uh, after Alessi, after Chiz, maybe after Hill. Uh, Brayton, obviously the favorite going in. Um, Bowers even. Bowers. I would have put, put Sipes after Bowers. Yeah. Um, you know, he Sipes would be top five guy for me going in. I'd be like, yeah, Sipes will finish top five. Uh, but he was clearly, yeah. clearly the best guy. Yeah, and 
I don't know if he surprised himself a little bit. I, I, I asked him quite a bit after the race. I mean, because he was on the 250F, his starts were okay. He just kept tucking inside. Yeah, he did. He that, was like third fourth. that was his move. That was his time. move. But then all of a sudden, three or four laps into each race, you'd be like, oh, my God, Sipes is just catching these dudes. Like, yeah. he's just reeling them in. It yes. wasn't like he just got good starts or they crashed. He was they, he would catch them, and it was like, okay, now I've got to figure out how to get around them because right. I'm going faster. Yeah. I would have to think he surprised himself a little. He didn't. He didn't feel like he was surprised, only because for whatever reason, he says he just felt good that day. Yeah. And dude, I could tell. Uh, let's explain the setup where the riders got the change in a locker room. Yeah. Which was fantastic yeah. and hilarious right. in so many ways. I mean, these are the locker rooms that, again, the NFL, which is what, they, what is essentially their all star game. I actually can't believe the NFL went there as long as they did. <laughs> It's pretty, like it's, I said, if you're, if you're a spectator and you're going, there's nothing wrong with the stadium. But it is, it's no Dallas Cowboys Jerry Land. Let's right, right. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> it is, it is, uh, there's Jerry Land on one end, the yes. Qualcomm, and this place on the other. Yes. So, I, have you, you've done more of these one-off type races than I have. Have you ever seen riders using the locker room, like actually using the lockers and changing? No. I've never seen this. No, 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 I've never seen it, no. Pretty fun because, and that's what makes these races cool. And again, you've been to more than me, but the riders because they don't have their trucks, the riders end up all pitting and working and hanging out together. Yep, uh, which gives it a totally different feel. But what was noticeable, you had Seven Deuce Deuce and Jimmy D, uh, A Ray Bowers, some real talkative, outgoing guys, uh, hanging out all day. And Sipes was always over there, like dead silent, the whole time, because I think he, from the moment he rode was like, dude, I think I can do this. I think yeah. I can win this. I got a I know it's a fun one off Hawaiian deal, who cares? But I could for his program winning a race is big. Any race. Yeah. Well, I think he sensed he had a chance and he was locked in all day. Those those guys, they're he's got his own video crew going around. Red Bull's doing something with him and uh, you know, I, I just call them dicks all the time, but but they're good guys. Yeah. Um Jason Crane, yeah. Wes Williams showed up. Again, Wes West came out to the Hawaii one. Well, shocker, shocking, he made it out. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, he did. but uh, yeah. but yeah, they've been following Sipes on this flat track thing and Supercross thing and X Games thing and whatever else hell, else he's doing. And he so winning this thing one 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 was just so good for this upcoming video they're going to do. It's fantastic, you know. So yeah, because you know I think Red Bull's goal obviously is that some people and, and I have to say when I announce Straight Rhythm and I, they put it on Red Bull TV, it's literally the only thing I ever announce where I do get hit up sometimes on social media by people that are not hardcore Supercross, Motocross people. Like, Red Bull does cross over. Right. So people will be watching this Sipes series. Now, we know when Sipes goes to Daytona or Nashville and puts it in the top ten, like, that's freaking amazing, right? Right. But if you're not a person in the industry that follows the sport closely, you're probably like, oh, he got ninth. Is that good? I mean, it is good, but you wouldn't know. Yeah. So I think he knows to stamp – I got at least one win this year. Yeah, is making this whole thing look a lot better to the to yep. the casual fan, which I'm sure is what Red Bull's trying to get. Yep. Um, I yeah. honestly, that last main, I asked Brayton. I'm like, did you let him buy? Because, <laughs> like, okay, like Sipes, even if he had finished second, he won the overall. You know, and Brayton and yeah. Sipes are are buddies. Um, I honestly thought Brayton let him buy because he looked like he checked up a little bit, and I was, like, and he's like, no, 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 no. But he said his knee wasn't perfect, and. Like, the way Brayton almost – I just was like, wow. Like, he didn't really fight for it, or, or it looked like he went off the gas and Sipes ducked to the inside. Um, but it was 
it was surprising to see and awesome riding by Ryan for sure. He was he was better in the turns, like you said. He was better in the turns. He was able to stay lower. He was able to use his flat track skills or whatever else or whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, and he seemed to be able to make up time kind of whenever he wanted, like scarily enough. Like he was just like, oh okay, I got to make time here. And yeah, because we know okay, Brayton is definitely not 100 percent after that nutty crash in uh, Seattle. I mean, he did race New Jersey and Vegas, but he wasn't the same. No. But let's just say Bowers. I mean, Bowers. You look at where he finished at points. I mean, Bear was basically top 10, hovering around top 10 by the end of the year in the 450 class. I don't know if I would have thought that Sipes, who hasn't raced Supercross full-time since 2013 and never raced it full in the 450 class, I don't think I would have said, yeah, if Sipes races Supercross tomorrow, he's top 10 guy, like Bowers is. I, I'm like, and the same thing with the Nashville yeah. ride. Like, yeah. it's... To me, well, did he get somehow better by not racing Supercross all the time? Bauer's starts in Hawaii were garbage, except for that last one. It's true. Yeah, You're right. they, they were never yeah. good. And and he got third yeah. more by consistency. Politelli was in line to get third, but he fell right. in the first turn. So, honestly, I didn't see Bauer's a lot. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Mired in the back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just kind of fighting his way up everywhere Everywhere he went. You know, Hill, Hill got a couple of good starts and work, went backwards, and, and people were – yeah, there, there was just two guys that were stood out over everybody, you know, uh, although except for the first main. Poor Jimmy D. Jimmy D shows oh. up. Uh, his bike kind of falls through that he's supposed to have, but they, they find him a 2014 Suzuki RMZ 450, brand new, brand new 2014. So the filter's falling apart because it's so dust. It's so crappy. The oil was sludgy, I guess. They had to change it. Um. And uh, and his forks worked, but the shock wouldn't work, of course. Shock's different on, on new bikes. And the tires were the stock Bridgestone tires that just were sold with the bike. And Five years old. Yeah, five yeah. years old. Crack, cracking and everything. And, <laughs> dude, the guy almost won the first one. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. And I watched his shock because I was prepared to make fun of his bike a lot. Um, and it looked pretty good. It actually looked pretty good in the whoops. It, it actually s- settled in, and he told me it did too. I couldn't believe it. I, I just was like, F-. "This could have been the greatest Suzuki advertising campaign ever." Well, I think so, but everybody makes fun of Suzuki for never changing their bike. So unfortunately, this just this just adds a punchline to yeah. that. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Yep. Ro- good Same enough thing. for good enough for Carmichael and Roxon and Jimmy D. Stu. Stu. Twenty fourteen, yeah. bro. Mm-hmm. Stu is still around, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So, but he got pushed off, and uh, and Sipes took the win, and then Jimmy D kind of never wasn't a factor the rest of the night. But that could have been an amazing ride that Jimmy won. I know, I know, and he looked he looked really good. And and by the way, I don't I don't know if I've seen Jimmy. Maybe has he raced some of these other races on a four fifty before? I don't. No, I don't. no, no, no. He told me he specifically, you know, wants to kind of get in with Eric and make friends with him and be, be you know represent really well and all that. Like, and and Jimmy D, these guys didn't get a lot of money, by the way. Brayton did all right, but. The other guys did not get a lot of money. Uh, there was no purse money, um, so it didn't matter how you did. Um, yeah. And, but everyone was going because it was Hawaii and it was all paid for and and all of that. And I think a lot of guys like Jimmy and, and A Ray were smart enough to be like, "Yeah, I just want to get in with Eric, you know, because who knows where that could lead me, right?" So smart move. Right. But what I was getting at is we've never really seen Jimmy D race a 450 or ride a 450. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, for whatever this proves, and none of these races prove much, and it mm-hmm. was a 2014. So we can't take too much out of this. But I was pretty impressed. I'm like, obviously, he knows what he's doing. He's almost going to win this race on a five-year-old stock bike. He must be able to ride a 450 pretty good. Yeah. No, yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, it was, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. 2014 tires, 2014 air filter. <laughs> yes. Almost won. 
Yeah, almost won the first one. So yeah, um, I like how they he had graphics with him. Yeah, so I like how they put the graphics from the 2019 on there, cut and pasted them and worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like half right. half just white or yellow yeah. blank, and then and, some sticker over it. And seven deuce deuce had seven deuce deuce on his bike, but 97 on his jersey. He's he's already assuming he's not getting a national national number back. So um, yeah, and, yeah. And, I, have you gotten any blowback from the Hep team? Because it's very suspicious now. A, 7-deuce-deuce obviously did well enough not making mains this year to win the, what, thirty forty thousand dollars $30, $32,000, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30, $30
Uh, do we have the? Do we actually have a wake up call listing? I don't know if we ever got it in. Uh, yes, Chase Stallo. Uh, they, the website did provide. They actually sent results to Race Rex. Oh, okay. I them the screenshot. Well, they're not in here. They're not actually listed. They're only going to 15. So, oops. Oh, okay. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah, we, we did talk to them actually for a while. They had some interesting stories. These two were basically like they were pros at one point. One guy missed the night show in Vegas by one. Yeah. So it was a combined and, east-west shootout, which he didn't really yeah. think about. And he got, he was he was 23rd. Uh, yeah, uh, in qualifying, yeah. so he never even went. To, yep. He never even made the night show to make the heats because it was a stack field. Um, yep. Damn it! I wish we knew these guys' names. We should have figured this out before we started. Yeah, because we, we purposely talked to them mostly to right. figure out how to pronounce their names. Right. That was our number one goal, and they ended up being really cool and, dudes. And then Soccer, the other, the other dudes in Hawaii were cool. Yeah. So that guy, yeah. the Vegas guy, uh, went to California a little bit, rode a little bit, and then he had a bad back injury and couldn't walk for a little bit, and came kind of out of retirement for this race. And then yeah. the other guy, uh, same thing, had quit, hung up, was the local pro. I took it. And then he came back for this race also. And they both had just started back riding. Um, you know, uh, they, their bikes weren't set up at all, but they were big Hawaiian names. And, of course, we don't know them, but um, good dudes. And they were okay. I mean, obviously, they were back-of-the-pack guys in, in this pro class. But um, really good dudes, and they got better as the night went on. And cool stories, man. They were so excited to to have this ability this this chance to race in front of their home crowd you know like they were they just came out of retirement basically like rocky in uh you know in rocky five yeah yeah it was just like that um <laughs> well he wasn't he wasn't retired you mean apollo no apollo. no rocky and rocky five was done he had the street fight with tommy oh Morrison. sorry rocky five yes yeah oh, yes i we had a nice marathon we watched a little bit of rocky three at your house sunday after vegas supercross yeah we watched all of Rocky Four, just riveted, glued mm-hmm. to the screen, as mm-hmm. you would be. And then Rocky Five started, and it didn't take long for right. you to head to the casino with your mom, yeah. uh, JC to head to his room, and me to head to the airport. Right, right. To clear the room. Yes, exactly. Rocky five. Um, but they were yeah. cool guys, really good dudes. So um, Yeah, they were. Uh, and then, so yeah, what they did was uh, they had them, there were supposed to be four of them in the pro race. Yes, two of them. One, I guess one got hurt. One said, uh, this is a bit much for me. Yep. But those two came out to do opening ceremonies. Freaking John DeSoto, are you kidding me with this guy? Yeah, he's 71 or something? 71, he said. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Really good dude. I talked to him twice. I interviewed him twice. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's a congressman. He's a four-time congressman or something um, yeah. for Hawaii. But he comes and- out on a CRF 450R, yeah. 71 years old. Yep. Does a lap of the track, you know, a slow like parade lap. But that wasn't enough. Did you see him trying to do a seat wheelie? No, I, I missed that one. No. <laughs> he comes down the start stretch, like riding up to us, and he's standing on the seat and like trying to pump the crowd like you wanted me to try to do a wheelie without a helmet, just wearing street clothes, I think. He didn't have gear on. I don't think he did, right? No, no, no gear. No, he didn't have gear. <laughs> no gear, no helmet, 71 years old, standing up on the seat, doing laps, of, rolling laps of the Supercross track. Uh... And then he had the line of the night. This one has to go in the magazine. He talked about the sacrifices of racing and the injuries that he's had. And then he said to you, you're <laughs> but the worst injury I had was I've had 12 concussions. And I think that's what allowed me to start preparing for a career in politics. <laughs> it's right. Like on the mic, on the bike, doing yeah. it all. Yeah, he was good. He was, he was stoked. And it was, it was cool that they got a good applause. Those two guys and John DeSoto got a good applause. And the amateurs, the top three amateurs, um, uh, got surfboards and a really good applause as well uh, from the yeah. locals. Like, the locals seemed to be into it. It was a small crowd. I mean, I would say ten to 15,000, right, would you say? 
to me? That's what they were telling us. What I think sometime around four or five o'clock, like a few hours before it started, they were yeah. thinking they had twelve, and then they knew there'd be some walk-ups. Yeah. So twelve plus. Yeah. Maybe. And, and, but they made a lot of noise. I felt, especially for the locals, they really did on the opening ceremonies and all that. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of new for both of us. Like I've I've done a lot of announcing, but I haven't been the guy on the floor in Supercross much, uh, and you never. So I really didn't know what we were going to get. You know, yeah, for, yeah, when so, you see when you see twelve thousand people or whatever it was in a building that fits like fifty, it doesn't look very good. And yeah. I'm like, is this going to be crickets? Right. But nope, it was loud. Yeah, it, I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah, I thought they were into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they responded. So yeah, for people who don't know, like you know, Eric called Eric got Wygan in on this because he's he's you know a fantastic announcer and said you're going to announce the Hawaiian Supercross and, and uh, you know if you're paying I'm saying is Wygan's mm-hmm. uh, you know he's with the oh, Ralph, yeah. Ralph Shaheen theory so then yeah. Eric calls me and goes hey you may have to announce and I laughed thinking yeah right and he said no I'm serious and I'm like oh okay well I've done some live announcing at the Outdoor Nationals almost every round um, so it's yeah. not like a, I'm not that you know obviously I know how to talk and everything else so is there any paying with that saying though no there's no there's, okay. there's, just, there's just saying there's no pain at all. Um, uh, but I got to admit, like, I was a little nervous. Like, they're like, hey, you got opening ceremonies. You got everything. Like, the first time Hawaii's Supercross is back in 30 years, and you and Wygant are standing on this double, the landing of the double in the middle of the stadium, and the spotlight's on you, and the crowd's, on, the camera's on you, and you guys are bringing everything in. And I'm just like, what? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess we are. <laughs> and what didn't help us was, I mean, Eric and his crew, it's the same people that I, like I said, they've run a lot of events. They're solid. But it's the first time they were working with the stadium, and it was not the most organized group no. uh, to be dealing with. So, you know, we did have some meetings and stuff, but I don't know about you, but I just felt like mm, I got about a 60% vision of what this is going to be like. <laughs> yeah, I and was the other 40 is just going to happen. I, I was like, well, I got my sheets that I asked for, uh, <laughs> and, and I guess yeah. I'm good. Like, I got the... <laughs> The schedule events, you know, and yes. and and then some guy for living ceremonies. Some guy was up there to kind of tell me, okay, now do this. Now we're ready. We're ready because he was talking to somebody via. We had no radios mm-hmm. and no headsets to talk back to each mm-hmm. other, and no nobody to talk to us on a headset or anything. So, yep. And this guy was like, okay, I'll be your guy. I'll be the I'll be your guy to help you. And I'm like, oh, perfect. This will work. It's not perfect, but it's ideal. And then he disappeared. He's gone. Uh, oh, he did. Yeah, he he left about uh, you know right right before opening ceremonies. He left, um, and they said you know you got to you got to introduce this the, the anthem girl and you got to kiss her and give her a lay. It's the tradition. Somebody told me I had to do it before, and then somebody told me I had to do it after. And there was two anthems because there's a Hawaiian anthem, and I got to I got to call out the I got to call the national color guard with the Hawaiian police people. Like what? I know. <laughs> I don't know any know. of this. No, and, and again, it was all like, you're just believing this is going to happen. Like, they're telling us this right. way it's going to go, but we didn't, we never saw the color guard. Like, I have no idea if the color guard's actually in the building. Right, right. Uh, all, all these things. And yeah, we did whatever, opening ceremonies would say 20 minutes, and like the first 14 or so we did together, and then I had to run up to get into the announcer's booth. Yeah, which was that, no easy feat, right? No, it was. I had to take a freight elevator, and I mean, it's not the nicest stadium. Let me put it that way. So the accommodations to get to the press box and, and all that is not great. But the problem was those last five minutes of opening ceremonies, you were left on your own, and yes. that's when it got complicated. Right, and then so you're gone. You're on. You're going to the press box or to the announcer's <laughs> yeah. booth, and I'm like, okay, here comes the national color guard to present the colors. 
and they come out and they take forever because they marching and they're yelling and they're marching and and I'm like okay all right and then okay so then that and then the anthem girl lady came up she was super nice and she her last name was unpronounceable and she just said just use my first name and I'm yeah, like thank yeah. you thank you Jesus for that yeah. um, she became Cher and Madonna yeah right for the night right yeah. and then so then. I said, they said, okay, so after the National Anthem, we're going to have these fireworks, and you bring out you bring out the rider. Or, no, the riders have already been out, so I was bringing somebody out. Oh, maybe the DeSoto guys. I don't know. But I brought somebody out, but I didn't, I didn't wait for the color guard to go, and they took, you know, three minutes to march off the track. And I already said, here comes the, here comes the Hawaiians. And then it was just crickets while the color guard. Did you notice this? Were you up there then? Yeah, uh, yeah. When the, we, I think we did well in introducing the American riders. That went pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and the Soto and the two Hawaiian pros. I mean, that went well. But I remember you saying, "And now the color guard come on out." And I'm just watching them. They're like behind the starting gate. Yeah. They're motorcycle police. The lights are flashing, and they're not moving. No. No. They were not responding no. to "Come on out." No. And then, no. And then and then. I didn't tell them, thank you, you can go, or I don't know what I, but they stood there forever once they got out, and then they took forever to get going, and they're marching, and it's not, you know, and I'm like, okay, I already brought up the next thing, and I'm just like, what am I doing? I'm like, stupid Lurch. Lurch does this so good. I know, I know. There is an art to it. And and like I said, I don't have a ton of experience. What made it even harder also is when they start throwing things like the Hawaiian color guard and, hey, the way you have to give her the lay and what the order of the songs is, I'm like, dude, there are some potential traditions here right. where we don't have complete control. Like, we have to do it their way, but no one's told us what their way yeah, is. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I literally got three instructions for the national anthem, for the lay and the kissing <laughs> and what anthems and when, when it was and how and all of this and who was going to present her with the lay, and I got all these instructions, and I'm just like, I don't know. And uh, then, but she was did cool. Did you do it? Did you, did you give her a kiss and a yes, hug? Yes, yes, a kiss on the cheek and then a hug. Yeah, I, I don't know. They, they told me that was tradition, so I don't know. Okay. And then um, – <laughs> And then uh, and at the end of the night, it was they said, okay, I met with the fireworks people, and they said, okay, so after the end of the three guys, what's going to be your word to let these fireworks go? And I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, ladies and gentlemen, you're three Hawaiian Supercross champions. They're all champions in my books. And then you light them off. Uh, you light them off. And they're like, okay, good. And I just go, did you notice that too? No, no, I was oh, right oh, down. Okay, you were right. One, I go, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, you're three Hawaiian Supercross champions. And then, dude, like, I'm like, nothing. Nothing. For, like, two <laughs> minutes. It's, and then also, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and Bowers is looking at me, and I'm like, I don't know, bro. There's supposed to be fireworks. I don't know, bro. Like, there's supposed to be fireworks. We, we talked about this. So, uh, the fireworks happened, but it was a little bit late. Um, and then we had no... I couldn't hear your damn words you said. I just hear your voice, but I couldn't hear anything you were saying. And I was down on the track. <laughs> we had no radios, no anything. I couldn't hear you. So I just was like, okay, I guess I'll just jump in wherever. We texted each other, and you just said, I'll be ready. So you just had to stop yeah, talking. I get, I get up to the t- – we asked like 15 times, like, how are we going to be able to hear each other? And we didn't even mean – we weren't being picky and being like, we need to be able to radio each other, like, behind the scenes. We just literally meant what I'm announcing and he's announcing – Will we be able to hear each other talking? And they assured us, yes. Yep. Well, no. But no. Um, I, could, I, I, I run up from opening ceremonies to the booth, and by the time I get there, I have a text from you saying, I can't hear shit. I can't. All I heard is, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, I don't even know when he's stopping. And so then I would just jump in, like, trackside, right? I was the trackside guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. I can't hear shit. And I'm like, oh, we're in for a long night. Yeah. Did I step over you a ton or not? Was it okay? Uh, it was happening here and there. I, 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 I was going by this. This is what I was going by. If you couldn't hear shit, I was assuming the fans probably didn't know the difference either. Right. So I wasn't being too picky about it. Yeah. And then I'm up there and I have like this headset, which is like the one they have in the Time Life operator taking your standing by to take your call in 1984. Yeah. Um, I put on this headset and there was a guy like it, it appeared that there was no staff at all. Right. And then I get up there and all of a sudden there was a guy somewhere who's running the big screen, which I didn't even know they were really going to have Yeah. until the very last minute named Ivan. So Ivan and I are able to communicate. So all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, we have commercials we can run. Uh, so I'm trying to, and I'm like, Ivan, how many commercials do you have to run? He's like, but it, everything was so Hawaiian. He's like, whatever you want, man, whatever you want. <laughs> and I'm like, but you have commercials. Like, do we have to play them five times or two times? Well, well what do you want to do? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Cause I can't even, if you're talking, I yeah. can't stop you. Cause right. you can't. <laughs> I can't hear you. I can't, nobody's saying, Hey, math it's time for commercial. Um, no. and Daryl Atkins ran up to me at one point and said, there was a Hawaiian Pacific Air cargo or something that was not the yeah, car. My, not the... my piece of paper said Pacific Air freight. Okay. My piece of paper said freight, and then I get a text from him saying, I'm hearing complaints that you're saying freight. It's actually cargo. <laughs> and I, like, look at the piece of paper, and I'm like, it right. says freight. And then I was bad. saying to Daryl, I don't know, man. I'm reading off of the tough block. You told me to read that's the company off the tough block. <laughs> so I'm getting it right. I think it's Wygant because I'm reading the tough block that's right there. So Yeah, it was me. Yeah. I got that. You, you, you got me that copy. Right. That 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 photocopy like ten minutes before the show and yeah. it said freight. So uh, and then, yeah, a couple and, things like that. And at some point the commercials are playing, but I decide to go talk to the riders at the, on the starting line. Well, yeah, that was it, the final set of commercials. Yeah. Because the show ended up running fast. It we did. had to slow down. Yeah, Eric comes by and goes, Hey, you gotta slow this thing down. So do you remember the second main I brought Brayton up out also like afterwards because it was a great race? Yeah. I'm just like, Come on, Brayton, yeah. come on. <laughs> You know, like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean it's going fast? Like, you know, I don't know. Um, So I'm like, then we had to kill time, like 20 minutes of intermission. So I'm like, I've been playing some commercials. And then all I've got is like basically sending a Hail Mary to God, hoping to strike you with lightning. Like, don't talk, Steve. Yeah. Don't talk. Yeah. Commercials are going. I have no way to let you know. No, no, I can't can't hear nothing. Right. No. And then you just start interviewing guys. And Ivan gets on the headset. He's like, is Steve talking down there? And I'm like. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Um, Who cares? Uh, and we had, and then, uh, so a couple things struck me as funny. At some point, I was delirious from just running around. I just started yelling Blue Crew when the amateurs were. <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> you did, yes. I, I, there were one and two, and I was like, Blue Crew! Blue Crew! Blue Crew! <laughs> because <laughs> the Hawaiian amateurs... Yamaha owns that. They man. did. They like ninety percent of the bikes. They did. Two strokes, four strokes. It was all Yamahas, everywhere you look. So I was very. I was throwing my plugs in there for Blue Crew, and then <laughs> and then the guy that crashed. I was calling him Zombie, whatever Zombie Chris Rea or some, whatever his last name or, or I forget his last name. Quant. Yeah, Zaros. Yeah. I think Zaros. Yeah. Zaros or something. I'm like Zombie Zaros because he laid there. He ate, he ate crap bad, and then he got up right before the leader came around, and his goggles were on his handlebars. And, and he just kept racing, and the leader never could get by him. He, he un, you know, he could never get lapped, and it was impressive. It so. was exactly Chris Bloss. It really was. Exactly. It was. So, so we both, even though we couldn't hear each other, right? We both were going with the zombie jokes. And then, and then uh, the freestyle, 
Ronnie Max there. And, and we don't know any freestyle moves. I don't. We we got a text with the guys' names, but we don't know who's who. No. All I no, know is we that know which the went. one guy had Dunn on his shrouds, and we got a text that said Nick Dunn. I'm like, that must be Nick Dunn. So okay. I'm call, I know him, and I know Ronnie, and we don't know Patrick any of Evans. We know Patrick Evans. Yeah, Patrick Evans. Yeah. At some point, yeah. I'm like, he's racing the pro class and the freestyle. He works hard for his money, honey, honey. So hard for his money. You did. Oh, uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, the point? freestyle. We don't know the name. We don't know which riders jumping at any time or what tricks they're doing because we know nothing about freestyle collectively. <laughs> right. So it was just a lot of unbelievable. <laughs> Here it comes. Oh. And it's like, if if uh, if you make more noise, they get bigger and they get better. <laughs> that's that's all. I, that. I said that fourteen times. Yeah. If you make more noise, oh, they get bigger and better. Your other move was, I don't know how they pull it back. Yeah, yeah exactly right. <laughs> Meanwhile, every single guy. I can't guy, believe you pulled it back. Every single guy pulled it back, no problems. But, <laughs> but I couldn't believe but every it. Every time you're shocked. Right, you're right. shocked every time right. they pulled it back. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and Ronnie was there, and we were scared about what Ronnie was going to do. Um, he, he did talk in the mic a little bit, but he, he actually didn't drop any swear words, so that was good. Yep. Um, and he was just doing air wheelies nonstop, just big, huge air wheelies. Um, I think uh, Ronnie was not communicating much with the promoters about what his intentions were. No. no uh, nobody could get a hold of Ronnie, Ronnie for a long whisperer. time. Yeah. Nobody be- could get a hold of Ronnie for a while. Yeah. So you became the Ronnie Whisperer. Yep. Yep. You became in charge of find Ronnie, find out what Ronnie Mac wants to do. And then you tried and you got a backhand. Is that what I heard? Yeah. I said, Ronnie, what? I, he was walking the other way. I'm like, Ronnie, what do you want to do tonight? And he just backhanded me in the nuts and kept walking. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that, that, I don't know, man. That's all I got. Sorry, Eric. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, but, oh, gosh. That's yeah. Awesome. But the freestyle was, was great. It was just like, I, well, we got, I, good. I knew he, I knew he, there was a nothing or you let, I'm like, a nothing. And that's all. Yeah. Yeah. I think I threw in kiss of death. I, that might've been wrong. I, I threw in some seat grabs and <laughs> Superman. And I, I don't know if I was correct, but I was making it sound. Well, nobody way. could hear shit anyway. So it didn't really matter. <laughs> no. But. What what helped me from up top was we had a DJ, and I think his family was in the booth with us. It was me and the DJ, and then some people behind him. I think it was his family. Yep. And clearly, they had never seen dirt bike racing like this in person, uh-huh. which understandable. Yep. Never never been a race in Hawaii, and it kind of put me in the mind of I've got to realize that this is not a sophisticated audience. They're seeing all of this for the first time. Yeah. They don't necessarily know who any of the riders are, any of the tricks, any of the things. So we don't. We can go very. Uh, basic on the details, and they probably think we're geniuses. Yeah, for the knowledge that yeah. we do have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was. The I was. I was trying to keep it basic. Bikes battle for the first time in right. their lives on a supercross track. They probably thought we were the two smartest human beings on earth. Right, and I, I was just trying to set up like number ten. I mean, watch this corner. Watch this guy. Yeah. Like you know things like yep. that. You know, we're trying to trying to do all that. So, uh, but just stepping over each other all day, all night long. I have no doubt. So. <laughs> A lot of that. Right, right. Uh, oh. You know what they should do for some of these? The, we, we joke about the VIP programs that Chad and JT run, and, and Feld has some of their own. Yep. I really wish fans got a chance to see the riders in the atmosphere that you have at these type of events. Yeah. Right. I mean, yep. the, amount, it's just, it's a, the amount of blowing down is just insane at yep. events like this. Yep. 
Yeah, they're all different. It's all different from from and I, and I've been to so many of these things by now. And you're absolutely right. It's that's that's perfect. That's how that's exactly how it is. They just bro down. Everybody's cool with each other, you know, for the most part. So, yep. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. It was it was fun. It was good to do. How did I do as an announcer? Why again? How was I? Was I all well, right? First, you had the Hawaiian shirt. I, yeah. I got to mention that. That was an excellent touch. Thank you. Thank you. That was always planned. I was going to wear a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. No, you were good. Uh, like I said, it, it's, it is an art. I, I, the announcing part, I think you're really good at the announcing part, like during the races. Yep. Uh, I'd say you were 80% there on the lurch style, getting mm-hmm. people pumped up part. Right. There's a real art to that. It's so funny. It's like, when we, oh, here's my example. When we do the live shows, uh, on stage, yeah, you're like super animated, super loud, super animated, like as outgoing and animated as anyone could reasonably be expected to be. Yep. Like any more, and it would be like this dude's on coke. Right. Nope. I agree. I try to. I do try to wrap it up for those. Yep. Yes. But in the stadium, it was like there's another ten percent that these guys are going to that we weren't going to. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were pretty excited but not to the extreme that you normally see. It's like a whole nother level of just being a complete idiot clown if this were normal life, but it seems <laughs> totally normal yeah. as the ringmaster on the floor. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking to myself, I'm going to let Wygant be the first voice these people hear because this is the first Supercross in 30 years, and I, I don't know, man. I feel like this is a really big deal. I'm going to just let Wygant bring, bring us in here. And I'm like, you look he at me, and I'm like, I'm, job, like, though, and I'm like, go. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm like, go, go again. Yeah. So. No problem. Yeah. I mean, I've been thrown into more, we don't really know how this is going to go or what this is going to do, make it seem like we haven't figured out situations than, than a lot. I've been in that situation a lot, making yeah. it seem like we know exactly what when, we're doing. Well, when you think about your GNCC days or some of the oh. stuff that you've done where it's just like, hey, yeah, yeah here's a mic, right? I, I haven't really had that. Yeah. But overall, um, knowing how, dude, there's nothing quite like that, that keeping the crowd entertained from the floor. And I think that's why we always say this with, like, Lurch. You never, ever heard anyone rip on Lurch. Have you ever heard people make fun of Lurch for sucking? Uh, not for sucking, but the, the yelling and screaming people don't like. Some people don't like, but, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. All right. But, of course you're going to. Yeah, yeah, you're always going to. But no. Argument. But as far as sucking, yeah. no. Yeah, he knows his stuff. No. Yeah. Because I think that's just, like I said, there's an art to being that ringmaster. Or, or Rob or Bidus Rocket. No. You never hear people rip nope. Rob. Because uh, there's an art to it, and I think, I think a lot of people can recognize. Okay, they pick TV announcers apart, live announcers apart all the time, but I feel like a lot of people can recognize. Could I run out there right now and entertain tens of thousands of people with nothing more than screaming and yelling? I don't think I could do it. There's so it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, yep. And it's not like doing Pulp MX radio show, you know? So, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think you did an awesome job yeah. considering. And then that we had zero right. idea of what the hell was going no. to go on. Uh, the pit, the yeah. fan fest thing was good, too. People, there were a lot of people in there, oh. man. It was yeah, really good. Right. People were stoked on that. And before the race, it started. If you paid an extra whatever money, you came down into the pits and all the riders were hanging out. They were signing things. And, and I met some listeners. And yeah, it was cool. That part was awesome. So, yeah, I was amazed how many people were down there. They yeah. said it was like 3,000 people. Yep. And the, the local Hawaiian amateurs were there. They were all bombarded. Ronnie Mack's autograph line was ridiculous. Yep. They had yep. a monster truck. They had a, yeah, they had, a, they had a monster truck. And at some point, someone told you, hey, at the end of the race, hey, they, tell people they can come back and ride the monster truck some more or whatever. So Yeah, and they did. It was yeah. like 11 at night, and the monster truck's still going. Yeah, brrr, up and down the start yeah. straight. It was, yeah, just no yeah. problem. 
Um, yep. So yeah, it was it was it was fun, man. Um, I got a few people that were I was just hanging out there, and all of a sudden I heard this Rick, Rick. <laughs> Look, oh, couple, there you go. Couple listeners, of course. I'm just like, oh boy, it comes all the way down. Oh yeah. yeah. So yep. no, it was uh, it was fun, man. Um, so anything else on Hawaii? Did we cover it? Yeah, I just hope it comes back. Yeah, for, um, mostly uh, well, because I should have brought my family. and I need another chance. Well, here, Please. yeah, but here's Please the thing. There. Like, here's the thing. I did the math today. Rough math today. Uh, Pookie, Pookie, Pookie flew for free. Used miles for her. I bought a uh-huh. ticket. Um, stayed at a resort for a couple nights. You know, had some good dinners. Pookie got a massage at the resort. Some booze. Mm-hmm. I'm about 500 down, Wygant, so I don't want to depress you, but I this this trip cost me probably 500 after my announcing fees. So I, I did not make money to do this trip. No. no. I, uh, well, that's what threw me into a tizzy because we decided not to do it. Again, we cashed out all my daughter's days we could use for absence to go to Disney World in the fall and Daytona in the spring. If I had known that this was coming, we probably would have skipped Daytona and done this instead. Right. So I was like, Okay, we can't go. You can't miss any days of school. You can't get over there that quickly. It's 11 hours of flying from, from Charlotte. Yeah, that, there, dude, that's, that's a lot, by the way, from the East Coast. Yes. That, that yeah, it's like a five-hour flight and then a six. But anyway, once I got there and I instantly regretted it, I'm like, uh, yeah, Hawaii's about as unique and different and cool as I feared it would be, and they're missing this. I was like, guess what? I got to go back. I got to make this. Now I got to make this strictly business. Wow. I got a profit. I'm not here for fun. I'm here for profit. So. <laughs> Yeah. People would just be disgusted. At one point, Pookie texted me, and she's like, who are you hanging with? And I'm like, myself. <laughs> like, I went for like a jog every day yeah. just to see stuff. That's yeah. free. We went, to, we went uh, to Pearl Harbor. We went to Pearl Harbor. It was free. We did. We ended up at Pearl Harbor separately, and yeah. I knew each other. Yeah, right. yeah absolutely. Yep. I went down to there. Um, but I did not pay for any of it. Yeah, I didn't you, do any you audio tours. You did not do anything there. extra, everybody, in case people were wondering. Why again, no. did not do anything no. no audio tour, no. no tour of the subs, no tour of the boats, nothing, nothing, no. nothing. No, no, so. no beaches, no condos, no resorts. <laughs> um, and the effort that I took on Thursday night when I got in to not pay for parking was just extraordinary. <laughs> I, I think I parked in four different spots between Thursday night and Friday morning because I would read the signs and I'm like, okay, this is free parking until 5 a.m. And then this one's till 8.30 and then this one's until noon. Um, because at that point, I'm like, look, this cannot be a vacation. This has to be a moneymaker. It's the only way I can justify well, being here. I'm 500 yeah. down. I'm 500 down, at least. So, yeah. I'd say, I'd say that's, that's probably the ideal way to do it. I think you feel like you probably did it. Yeah. You didn't, to get a Hawaiian trip where you feel you did it and it only cost you 500 bucks is... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine with it. Can't I'm, get any better I'm fine that. with it. I, yeah, although, that, I mean, that Saturday was a lot of work. It really was. Like, running around and... Yeah. And, you know, yep. stressing about it. We were there all day at the stadium, you know. So it, it really did turn into quite a bit of work, but that's fun. It was fun. It was it was good. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's hope it goes back next year. It sounds like it. So, and we, and we, and we have. I heard it. I, yeah. Somebody told me that it comes down to when they pull up all the dirt and the plywood, if the stadium sees any dirt or damage, they're going to be super pissed. Oh, okay. So I think that's the final call. I think crowd wise, they were. And this all piggybacked with a apparently un, unbelievably successful. Monster truck. They said the previous weekend. They said the monster truck sold so many tickets that the stadium maintenance people, and I don't know where they were. There must have been just one guy. Uh, yeah, had to go probably. to the upper seats of the upper stadium and use WD forty to free the seats up because they were so rusted because they hadn't been sold or used in years. The monster yeah. truck tour sold out. Sold out. Had more. Somebody told me they had four hundred more people than Bruno Mars, and it was just some sort of record. I don't know. I can't believe it, but. 
I know, I know. Bigfoot. Yeah. Beat Bruno Mars. Beat the Pro Bowl. Right, right, right. Beat the Pro Bowl, exactly. So, um, all right, so let's uh, let's touch on that no fear story, but let's do uh, yes. let's go to commercial first or a little read first. Uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis, Alpine Stars, and Slick Wash. Thanks to those guys. Also, Racetech, Racetech.com, the official suspension of Tyler Medaglia. Ben LeMay, who was at uh, at the race in Hawaii. Uh, Pop 19 is the code to save at Racetech, Racetech.com. Chris, Zombie Chris Belos uses Racetech as well. If you need your motor work done, you need some suspension work done, please check them out at Racetech. Mention Pulp and uh, save on uh, on getting your suspension oil changed or revalved or your motor rebuilt or some performance added to your motor. Uh, again, thanks to Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Um, all right, let's talk about this No Fear oral history story I did. It follows in the lines of uh, the other ones that I've done on McGrath and Jimmy Gaddis and Moto XXX and 1110 Mods. Um and 2001-125 title chase that you helped me out with as well. Um, this one, Wygant, was the most grueling and the longest to do. It, it all started with a keychain. I have a okay. no-fear keychain that I still use. I've transferred it to six or seven different vehicles. Bought it in 1992 at Bob Cycle in Minnesota, and I just have it. So keychain says no fear. That's it. I looked at that one day, and I'm like, ah, no. That's a cool company. I wonder what happened with No Fear. I used to love Life's a Beach, which is all the same same guys. Uh, it all started from there, but, man, did this thing take me a while. Like, And it was a grind to get through it. I just this one, this one was way harder than any other oral history I did. I would have never even thought it was possible, to be honest, let alone well, when you did get all the info, how you edited it and turned it into, I mean, I think it came over as 30,000 words. Yep. But I just didn't think that these people would be willing to go on the record and talk about this. Well, that was, was that, the, that was the problem. Yeah, it, the, the the Simo brothers, uh, Mark and Brian, started Life's a Beach, and they started uh, No Fear. Couldn't get a hold of them forever. I was told by uh, one of the guys at Racer X that there was no chance I would ever get them to talk on the record. And and that was that was the way it was working out for a while. Like, no replies to anything. And obviously, you cannot do yeah. the story without the brothers who started this. You cannot do it. No. So, no. um. No answer, no answer, no nothing. Um, call, call them, no answer. All of a sudden, just one day, tried tried him again, and Mark picked up, and I explained everything, and he was cool, and I he got back to me, and that started the dialogue. And I'm like, well, I got Mark, and there was a twin brother, Brian, and I couldn't get a hold of him until literally three weeks ago. Finally got a hold of Brian. We were not going to have Brian in the story at all. The story was edited and done and finished. Uh, and I, I said one last attempt to get a hold of Brian, and he answered. Couldn't believe it. So we had to. Okay, yeah. What was your yeah. reaction when you first called Mark, and all of a sudden the dude picked up? Like I'm yeah. sure you were just basically expecting voicemail. Yeah, absolutely. I was just like, I don't know. I just a little bit of me gets a, uh, gets a little um, obsessive about this. Where I'm like, I'm gonna get you. Like you're gonna talk. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? Mm. I get a little bit like that. Where I'm like, oh no. Mm. Like you know, we're, we're we're I'm getting an answer either way. Um, Oh wow! So I guess get a little weird about it like that. So he he was cool though. The first I I didn't ask him why didn't you respond to any other emails or calls or texts. But I didn't matter. I got him on the phone one time. He felt like picking up and he felt like talking. So wouldn't you assume that he and the brother or maybe some of the other guys involved, if they're the ones that are still friends with each other and communicate, you'd have to think behind the scenes they were discussing should we do this or not? And then maybe they decided I, yes. Yeah, maybe. Right? Maybe they were just like, this guy won't leave us alone. This idiot guy will not <laughs> leave us alone. Um, but Brian Brian couldn't get a hold of Brian. I asked Mark to ask Brian. He said he would, and he said he did. And couldn't get a hold yeah. of Brian, the other brother. And he, the story was going to print without him. And thankfully, yeah. he got he decided to do it. Um, 
And then also Jeff Sirwall didn't want to do it. Things went south with the gear and the moto brand with him and Jeremy, as you can read in the story. They're all good now. Um, and But the the Sirwall was like, I don't want to do it. I just, you know, he wasn't a fan of the, the brothers and all it happened. And I said, okay, I understand, Jeff. I've got all these other people. And I know Jeff. I go way back with Sirwall from, from when he used to race in Canada. Um, yeah. And he was like, nope, nope, nope. And I'm like, well, Jeff. I hate to do this to you because you are a friend of mine, but this thing's going to print without you. And you're all over this story. But if you don't want to talk, I get it. And I got him to talk. So he said, all right, well, I'm not really happy. And he was hard to get a hold of also. So this thing was a year in the making. He was hard to pin down to, to do it, not you know, to finally say, okay, here's some time. But really? Was it a year? Was it, uh, it, uh, that it long? I thought it was, the, it was in the fall. It was last spring? No, it was a year, dude. It was a year. Oh. I, uh, I, I, can, I can check, but I guarantee it was about a year. So. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, it took that long, right? And and it was just, you know, uh, and then so when you deal with these things, so I deep dived into it, and I talked to Mark first, right? I have an order that I talk to people in these things. Like, I just like to do it a certain way. And then I follow up with, you know, things to talk, like, hey, this guy said this, what about this, and, and what about that? And you get more background, but I want to get the story first. But when you go so long after talking to a guy, now you're like, what 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 had happened and what do I want to do and what was the order of it you know what I mean like yeah. like my my other stories were never that long that, that long of a gap so then I had to like kind of go through it again and really think about it and and you know almost relearn the story a little bit and reread everything right so um, yeah I don't know how you compartmentalize all that a and then b you're doing it over the course of a year so there's a million other projects going in and out of your mind yes that you're trying to keep it straight and then c what I really can't believe you're able to do that you've explained to me is once you've got it where you want it, then you decide, mm, I need to throw another guy in here just to mix it up a little bit. And then you'll have to go and find something that one other person said that just yeah. ties in just, yep. for the, just for the flow of the story. Yep. yep. That, just for style purposes. And I'm like, geez. Yeah. You know, you, you, you read the text over and over. You just read, 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 read. And then you get kind of mm-hmm. get committed to memory a little bit. And you're like, wait, this guy said something about this. Let me go and you know, find it. And you got, literally I have, you know, uh, the main word doc open and then, you know, 10 different word docs of the interviews, you know, of everybody, everybody transcribed in front of me. And now I'm cutting and pasting and trying to make it make sense. And then following up with people and trying to get, uh, you know, trying to get all that. But to me in this thing, um, and if you read it, uh, uh, thank you. I appreciate all the nice, nice words. There's two guys to me that come across as just fantastic in this story, uh, and it's it's RJ and, and Jeremy. <laughs> it really is to me. Those are the guys that are open and honest and lay it all out there and don't care what what you think of what they said. Uh, yeah, but to me, Sirwall was by far the most aggressive um, as far as being pissed about things. Yep. Uh, and yep. I'm sure even as pissed as he was in the story, you're probably getting, what, a third of how mad he probably really is? Yep. Yep. Uh, but still, I feel like he was the most – look, this was both awesome and terrible. You know, the, yeah. Both of these companies went huge and then didn't. So lots of good had happened and lots of bad. I feel like he was the most – so you're like, there's got to be some hurt feelings well, in here somewhere. Yeah. And he was the most. He was. It. He was. Uh, and Jeremy said, you know, things went south with him and Jeff, but they're all good now. You know, but he was open and honest about that, that they didn't talk for a I long time. I was surprised, time. actually, that Jeremy was that cool because – the only other really reference to this is when Jeremy wrote his book, which is way back now. I think this is 2003 or something when Jeremy wrote a book. Um, he put in there, he's like, I should have just stuck with Fox. 
I should have just stuck with Fox the whole time. Looking back on it, yeah. should have never done the no fear thing. Right. So I was like, wow, that's pretty heavy that he's saying that. Yeah. Uh, and, and now to see, I guess, you know, 16 more years has passed. Do you, I guess he decided it was okay. Do you remember how cool the gear was when Jeremy, when it launched? Like, it was amazing. Well, it was two things. The gear was amazing. But No Fear had already established itself as a super hot mainstream brand almost instantly, you know, before the gear came out. So at that point, when they came out with gear, it was like, oh, my God, this would be like if Nike or Reebok or Adidas started making motocross gear. You had never seen anything to me that mainstream yeah. in the motocross market. I was just like, I cannot believe this is, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And now if you read the story, you find out it's like they were kind of the same company, but kind of not. Yeah. Sir Wall and McGrath were doing their own thing, kind of running the gear. But to be attached to, at that point, that brand was so hot. Like, I don't think motocross had had that kind of mainstream thing ever until then, um, in my mind. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the, the Okay, were you too young for Life's a Beach, or were you around? Were you into it? No, I was too young. I okay. was too young for Life's a Beach. I only knew about Life's a Beach, like, post, like... Did you know... At some point reading five years earlier, RJ had worn shorts over his riding pants, but I didn't know it was happening as it happened. Did you know the brother, same people were responsible for Life's a Beach and No Fear? Uh, I, I didn't know they were brothers. I did know that the guys that did Life's a Beach okay. had No Fear. Right. And honestly, until I was editing your story, I never understood. I'm like... I didn't know that it was like one company died right, and right, then right. they started from scratch. Um, I'm like, why didn't they just keep doing Life's a Beach? I never knew that. And honestly, yeah. like, uh, the story could have been shorter and maybe a better read if I left all the Life's a Beach stuff out. But to me, yeah. uh, for my That's age, so like, when RJ put those bomb shorts on, like, it was amazing. And so Life's a Beach in Canada weren't, wasn't, wasn't around. There was, like, one place in the city that I lived in that carried Life's a Beach, and it carried – Odd sizes and just a couple of things. They had Jetson shorts. My brother had the Jetsons ones. I had the bomb ones. I had three wait, Stooges. Wait, I didn't know this. Oh, wait, God. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You knew about it, and you wanted it, and you actually had it? Dude, they were $80 a pair, oh. Oh. which which for me, being 10 or 12 or whatever I was, was a, yeah. was, was you know basically like $800. But yes. after taxes and duties and whatever else, they were $80 a pair, and they were so unique oh. and so cool. I had the bomb ones. And, you know, I just I just couldn't get enough of Life's a Beach. Like, so me, I knew the brothers were doing Life's a Beach, but I was like, I got to get this Life's a Beach story. I have to get what the Life's a Beach deal here, you know, um, and then go into No Fear. But Well, I'm glad you did because, honestly, the beginning of Life's a Beach, when they started literally as not even people that were making clothes, was more interesting than the beginning of No Fear because No Fear was like, okay, we already did this once. Yeah. How do we do it yeah. again? But, dude, it was just literally <laughs> – to sum it up, it was like dudes going down to Florida to race for the summer or winter and trying to figure out how to afford it. Yeah. And they just started making shorts. Yeah, it's crazy, right? They had no business doing no. this at all. And they, you know, well, the one thing that you, so you only, you, you edited it, you looked at it, you know, all that, you, you approved the final version. And you gave me a question that I've gotten a few times since the story came out, and I have no answer for it. It's like, why don't these guys have any money? Why did the company fail? And why don't these guys... Like, I've talked to somebody that knows Mark, and they, he said, no, he has no money. He just lives a normal life, like a normal, you know, there's no... I get it. And, and, I and, get it. And I asked every single person, like, why did it fail? What happened to No Fear? Why did it fail? Why did it fail? And, and nobody gave me any reasons. The retail stores were a huge mistake. 
but uh, still, the revenue that they were bringing in, why weren't the brothers paying themselves $5 million a year or whatever? $3 million a year as, as owners. I, I don't understand where all the money went. And they apparently neither brother is loaded. They have you know middle-class lives or whatever. Uh, nobody seemed to have any money out of this deal. And the company was so big. And even the Life's a Beach thing, they got out of the Life's a Beach thing. And were they not paying themselves? They said they were a $160 or a $60 million company or something by the end. I don't... I'm with you. I don't get it. And I asked all the questions, but I didn't get any answers. Yeah, that's what's strange. Like, I understand that companies come and go, but it's it's the same argument when you hear that, you know, if you cut taxes to the rich, they're the job creators, which is somewhat true and somewhat not, because there's a huge difference. There's a, As an example, I'll give you an example. Like, Davy Coombs owns Racer X, but it's, he's paid from Racer X. It's not like every dollar profit Racer X is his or vice versa. Right. Like, there's the individual person. And the company. It's not like it's. It's not like your paycheck, my paycheck from Racetrack literally is coming out of Davy's checking account. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. There's a separation. So yeah, I can understand that a company like No Fear or Like the Beach goes under. Right. Yeah. But you're right. Why didn't they pay themselves a million dollars a year for the four years it was going? And then when the company goes under, they're like, well, at least I saved four million dollars. Yeah. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah, I don't. I don't uh, know either. Because I because in one of their Brian, Brian or Mark says we walked out with the shirt on our backs. I don't understand. You started with none. You turned it into a two hundred million dollar company, and yeah. you left with no money. And, and also, too, by the yeah. way, one person said two hundred. Sir Wall said no way. We got to like one fifty. Yeah. Another guy said one ten. Like I, I can't get those numbers either. But who knows? That's a long time ago. But there was yeah. And then I'm like, so and, I, I hope that yeah. everyone. I hope it's contemporary enough. I mean, probably the heyday of No Fear is probably going what mid nineties to early two thousand. Started in that, yeah, ninety four to like two thousand, right? Yeah, yeah. So it would be a tragedy if people aren't reading this story or not appreciating this story, not knowing how big it was. Like, I don't know if it was $150 million or 200 or a billion, but it was freaking big. Yeah, it was like, it Super was Bowl big. commercials, Super Bowl commercials, and with Jeremy, um, you know, every, all, every seemingly cool athlete wearing the stuff. Posters were everywhere. T-shirts were everywhere, you know. And, yeah, and that's what yeah. was so cool about it. Like, when I went to school – there was not a single person that knew about motocross or was into motocross besides me. And honestly, I would say that in the 80s and 90s, there wasn't a lot of motocross casual apparel. Like, you can go to fly racing right now, and there's 12 different T-shirts. And Racer X has 12 different T-shirts. And Pulp has T-shirts. There wasn't a lot of that. So you saw no fear everywhere, nothing to do with motocross, just in school, just in the mall. It was right there with Nike, Adidas, whatever. I mean, that was just phenomenal yeah. how big it was. And yeah. no it really, money. It really was like a... Like I always feel like Oakley is a moto company. Oakley's ours, a moto company. That's what they are, and it's awesome yep. what they've done. And No Fear was yep. the same way, you know, it was the same yep. way. Um, but it, I just couldn't, you know, outside of like, hey, like you know, one somebody told me uh, once J.C. Penney got it, it became uncool. Nobody wanted to wear No Fear, and once the stickers were everywhere, nobody wanted. No Fear was everywhere. Stickers were were on, you know, all these different classes of people. Let's call it, and it became yep. uncool and. And that was it. Another yeah, they, they, once a mom has it on her minivan. Right. And then another person told me, no, no, no. They, they, they were always doing JCPenney forever, and that, didn't, that wasn't it. And I was, I, I'm just like, oh, God. I, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of that is just anecdotal. Like, that's just theories. Because yeah. I remember hearing that, too. Right. Uh, and a lot of that stuff isn't even accurate half the time when you hear that. Because, yeah. look, you know what else sells at JCPenney? I mean, Nike's been sold to JCPenney right. forever. Yeah. And it's Nike's somehow, still cool. It's right. still iconic. Um, it's still iconic and still cool. So why they couldn't maintain it, I don't know. Yeah. The other thing, I have to admit, like, I'm not a business person. So it sounded like 
the only way you grow that big is they just had to keep, you know, getting credit or equity. Yeah. They always kept saying we didn't have the capital yep, yep, to grow yep, yep, the way we were yep. doing. So the, maybe that's why. Yeah, one person told me one person yeah. told me the vendors own No Fear. The vendors were the real owners of No Fear because they were right. they were out so much money from the vendors and the vendors had to write the checks to keep the company like I, I still don't understand that though. I don't get that, but you know, yeah, yeah. I don't either. Yeah. Um, but but that might more be I've never been an entrepreneur, and I don't know how business, how startups work, and maybe that's how it always goes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's plenty of, you know, Uber or Tesla or huge brands right now that haven't turned a profit and are, yeah. they just live off of investors. Yeah. So maybe that was the natural cycle they were in. It seems bizarre that they weren't rich as hell. I know. I don't get it either, man. I would love to. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely the retail stores were mentioned by everybody. Like, you know, as online. Sho- yeah, as a problem. The online shopping came in. The stores started coming in malls. You know, mm. rent was expensive. The people started turning yeah. against retail stuff. Online was growing, and these mm. stores cost them a lot of money. In in doing some research, the stores, the company was in trouble a year, year and a half before they folded. This there was an article that in San Diego that said the retail stores are not paying their rent. They're way behind in their rent. Um, wow. Yeah, but 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 you know the company hadn't folded yet, you know, but this the, the retail stores were bad and it kept causing some trouble. So so that was a definite misstep. All those stores. Well, what it sounds like in that case is, uh, and it's weird how these things work. Again, the little I know about business, where you end up hearing that someone starts a company and they can even get, end up getting pushed out of their own company, and you're yeah. like, how is that possible? Right. But it's because I would suppose in this situation, what they were growing so fast that they were eventually going to need to bring in someone who was just yep. a business person yep. and be like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Retail stores, bad yeah. idea, don't do that. Uh, well, look at, look at the Glover thing, the Glover bit about the golf where they, they, they decided the once in their lives they were going to uh, aim the shotgun before pulling the trigger. Yes, and, and, you know, that's what they said, yeah. And, and then they ended up, Brock came in, came in after the, all this doing his work and they came in and his warehouse for golf stuff was all gone because they needed the inventory, they needed the money. And Brock's like, but but if we sell this, we got to keep this in, in in shops to keep it high end. And they didn't care; they needed the money, you know. But right. And also, so, too, it sounded like absolute chaos to uh, behind the scenes with the brothers fighting and the company direction going left and right and up and down every day. And and, yeah, and fist you know, fighting, literally fighting. Yeah, huge parties, huge parties in the parking lot, go karting the parking lot. I didn't really get into the go kart part of it. A lot of people told me about the go kart races they used to have in the parking lot because the two brothers were racers, right? Um, and so they would, yeah, they, they were moto guys and then they became yep. car guys. So they poured, yep. they poured cu- curbs in the parking lot, set up a go-kart track, would have a lot of go-kart races. Mitch Payton would drop by. That was a whole other section that I, Paul Tracy mentioned it. Um, a lot of people mentioned the go-kart races, RJ, everything else. Um, and I never, I couldn't get it in. It's just like, okay, I, you know, I can devote a whole section to turning their parking lot into a go-kart racetrack every Tuesday night or whatever it was, but I can't get it in. So... You know, and then, I hope everyone reads it just knowing that. Yeah. I, I, I hope it not so much time has passed that people have forgotten how big. Let's get back to where you started with this, the gear, dude. When the gear hit, and by the way, it hits with what? Pastrana, McGrath, Wyndham, Tortelli, Wyndham. Yeah. Are, like, are you kidding me? Yeah. They went from <laughs> we don't even make gear to we've got maybe the four biggest names in the sport yeah. right now. Yeah. What are you going to do yeah. about it? Um, Pastrana's part was great. Yep, Pastrana's part was great. The Fox offered him a Corvette, but because they 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 weren't behind him when he got hurt in Havasu, he was like, mm-hmm. "No, we're out." Or Dad, Dad and Travis said, "No, we're going to go with the guys that believed us." You know, um, yeah, that part was great. Uh, RJ, 
I don't know if it's in the story. I don't think it made the story, but and I couldn't find it in the in the transcriptions. But RJ, one of the biggest things RJ was mad about with the brothers, and he goes way back with these guys, as you can read in the story. Uh, they had RJ said that they knew that RJ loved KC and the Sunshine Band, and <laughs> it was one of his favorite okay. bands. And they had a party in the parking lot, and they did not invite RJ, and they had KC and the Sunshine Band play 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 this party in the parking lot and rj was and not didn't say hey rj come on up nope and he and he was so mad about that he mentioned it a couple times i i never had it in the transcription notes i don't know if it was just a conversation you know beforehand or whatever but <laughs> rj was very pissed about this so yeah <laughs> but I, I, yeah i thought rj's part was was awesome he was really told the story you know he does not care rj doesn't care he he tells it and uh well, yeah. what also is amazing about this, folks who really need to read it, is that the Life's a Beach thing essentially kicks off because RJ, yes. who doesn't even know these guys, like, what, sees the shorts, like, at a national at Gainesville? At the Gainesville, like, yeah. Sweet. Yep. It's such a phenomenally, incredibly, atrociously, amazingly different time for the sport that, I mean, so Rick Johnson's factory Yamaha, so let's just say that he's the equivalent of Justin Barsha right now. Right. This would be Barsha at Hangtown this weekend, seeing some shorts being sold by dudes in a van across the street from the track illegally, and being like, "Dude, give me a set of those. I want to race in them tomorrow." Like, can you believe the sponsor conniption fit there would be if this happened? Yeah, yeah. No, he and yeah. Rick Johnson just did it, and you're like, "Wow, what a different time!" Hey, and it's cool hey, to look back at how innocent things were. And we have a photo from Paul Buckley. That was also okay, amazing. Just, Oh, just winning a moto with it in the shorts. Yeah, yeah, we got he won the, the moto, right? No, he was winning and he got he dropped back to fifth or something. He was able okay. to put them on because he won the first moto, and his man, team manager Kenny Clark said, "If you win the first moto, you can do anything you want." So, like, think about that. Yeah, think about right. So it's just fun to look back. It's a little like a, a nostalgia thing, real quick, to be like, "Wow, the sport was so different back then." Yeah, which yeah. is cool. And yeah. RJ, I mean, no one would push the limits. I like RJ, and yep. I feel like it's unfortunate that that gets forgotten all about with right. RJ. So I like having the little reminders sometimes of what a showman yeah. he was. Yeah, prime. yeah, what? Yeah, he was the man, right? Like he could do that, no problem. And uh, and Jeremy could could move. What did they say twenty million in the first year in, in gear, like just just some crazy number when they launched. It was just nuts. So yeah, someone in there basically said that you know yeah Jeremy had that you know Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan type. Yeah, you know he could pull off anything. Anything he did was cool. Yep. Anything he did was people were going to want it. And I also feel now, yeah, I mean, since Jeremy hasn't won a Supercross title since the year two thousand, that probably is getting forgotten a little bit too. Yeah, that you could easily argue that Jeremy was the biggest star the sport has ever had. I had a whole you know? subsection of what was your favorite shirt? You know, chicken <laughs> pussy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. um, ride it like you stole it. Like you know, I asked everybody and. I just clipped that too. I was like, ah, it's not going to work. It doesn't really work. But you know, everybody knows the slogans yeah. they had on the back of the shirts, right? But well, I remember um, the the coolest ones I thought were, and again, this had nothing to do with moto. Like I remember they had a series of shirts where it would be like pressure situations. Like I remember a kid had one. Of course, I would never have it because like, we could never spend the money yeah, to right. have any name brand clothing with my dad not spending money on anything. But one, I remember it said like you know, fourth quarter, two seconds to go. 50-yard field goal, you're the kicker, no fear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, dude, that's so sweet. Do you remember they just had a set of balls on the back? It yeah. just was like steel balls, and it said, <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't know what it, I don't know what it said. It said some slogan like, 
Like you're, you'll be needing these. Or yeah, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, it's just nuts. And to bring it full circle, the one of the Hawaiians this weekend had no fear gear on. He had no oh fear gear on. Yes, I don't even understand. I, I mean, don't when, need, when did it end? I don't know. Oh, it still like, looked oh. good though. It still looked it did. good. Yeah, it was purple. It didn't look dated. No, it was purple. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was good. It was. Uh, it's not my favorite one I've done. It was the most work. It was the dealing with the most flaky guys. But I really appreciate everybody who did do it and gave me their gave me their time and and, and What's I haven't. What's your faith? Uh, McGrath fourteen and one. <sighs> Probably yes. I, I, oh, I, I thought it was a slam dunk. No, no, well, no. Moto Triple X was good. I like the fact that I went through all those guys in Moto Triple X. I almost got a hold of everybody that rode for him. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eleven ten was good. I like you know I like the fact that those guys all uh, made it. It's true. Yeah, I yeah, don't that know. Is true. The 2001, like some of those stories of Langston, I was there. For, I was on the team then, you know. So, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I, I think McGrath went edges it out because him and Emma went at it a little bit in the story. So that was yes. that was pretty good, you know, to get that kind of stuff. But um, they're all yeah. under. If you want, if you like the format and what we're talking about, they're all under long form in in the Racer X online page. You can read all these things. Um, and Eric Johnson did one. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Hansel did one on the uh, LCQ in New Jersey, so it's not just myself. Um, they're all they're great. I I don't know what my next one will be. It might kill me though. <laughs> so no, I know. I, might. I got one that I'm going to do in the off season, but oh, it's you not do? nearly this ambitious. Oh, okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You, you got uh, yeah. Both guys actually were cool with it, even when they didn't like each other. But they seem to be mending mending fences. So it's going to make it even a little bit easier. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be awesome yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Yep. Oh, the, and the Peyton one was good because he Mitch had told me one time that that, that switch to Kawasaki and Gaddis title kind of saved his team. You know, it was a real bad deal from getting dropped by Honda. So yeah. I don't know. Who knows? But but the No Fear one was, uh, man, you had to be there, I think. Like you said, you've said it a few times. You just had to kind of be there and know the era and know how big it was and how crazy it was. And, you know, and on behind the scenes, I think it was as crazy, too, what was going on. And multiple people told me, like, you know, just, just strippers and uh, – uh, HR violations left and right and you know uh, people meeting their lots of girlfriends and boyfriends and lots of breakups and you know what I mean like just drama at at no fear all the time Mark McGuire coming through there all the time uh, he, he liked one yeah. of the secretaries you know it just uh, Barry Bond like all these guys all these athletes from all over the place man no fear stuff and and they, they would come by the, the office and just load up and there it was you know so um, yeah, yeah and I'll put it this way, man. I remember when it came in with gear, I'm like, dude, yeah, of course they got Pastrana from Fox, and of course they got McGrath from Fox. Like, yeah, you can't compete with these right, guys. They have right. way more money. It's a yep. way bigger company. Like, it's it's crazy to think that that was the yep. case with any yep. company. I mean, because Fox has just maintained right. where it's been at that level of industry for so long. But there was a time where it was like, um, every other gear company, you're dead. How are you going to beat these guys? <laughs> yeah, and, oh, and then, too, like Glover worked there. Bailey, David Bailey worked there. <laughs> Yeah, it's worked yeah. out no fear, you know? It's just crazy. So, um, Is this why you don't, for a company that went under, you're not, you didn't, didn't sound like you got a ton of F those guys, F this, F that. Didn't sound like you got a ton of that. Was it just so much freaking fun for these dudes that they can't look back at it in a bad way? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Sirwall wasn't happy and Glover wasn't happy. Kind of, That's the sense I got from those guys. But Everyone else was like, yeah, it was cool, man. It was awesome. And, and then also, too, to add to it, Marty Moats committed suicide, and everyone loved Marty. Oh, like, I got that through. Right. I got that part through everybody that was there with him. They all liked him. They all loved him. And, and you know, obviously he had some issues from injuries and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so people 
people really like Marty, so I'm glad I got in there. You know, I got I asked people about him and, and got it in there because he, his name came up left and right, you know. So um when I was in college I had a poster, No Fear sold a poster. Uh it was in the college bookstore, which you could buy all kinds of stuff, and they had a McGrath, No Fear poster. Uh and I'd never seen again motocross like yeah. in a regular store ever right, in right. my life. Uh and I bought that poster mostly because I'm like if I have a poster in my room that shows a dirt bike and the No Fear logo, like everyone knows No Fear is the best. It's the awesomest. It's the coolest. This will prove to everyone that motocross is legit and good and big. Like it was like to attach yourself to No Fear, which is funny. I didn't really realize that No Fear started as a moto thing exclusively. Really, it was 100% moto dudes. That's yeah. where it started. Yeah. I just thought motocross was lucky to be associated, but honestly, it yeah. completely started with, with oh, yeah. No Fear. Yeah. I didn't even know. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's, there's. They all raced, right? They all raced they with Sir Wallen. Yeah, yeah. And, and Scott Wallenberg, uh, our publisher, knows them or knew them or whatever back in Illinois. Yeah, because they're from that area, right? Yeah, Chicago area. Um, yeah, I had a Face Your Fears, No Fear poster with MC and the sun setting on it, and MC in Cinecello gear. So '94, I think it was he had number one. So it would have been the year after he won. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yep, that's I, the one I had. I, oh yeah, yeah. And Face Your Fears, and it was MC kind of jumping in the sun, and I was like, yes, and I got that at Target. I got that at Target. Oh, Target you know? had a Jeremy freaking McGrath poster. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Right. So yeah, you know, you were just like, yeah, yeah. I got, I gotta, I gotta get that. You know, and, and, and again, this keychain, this damn keychain I've had since 1992, still, still, still there. So pretty early on the uptake, 92, man. Yeah, I was, I was in on it, man, early because I love the yeah, life's no a fear. beach thing. The life's a beach thing was, I'm just like, oh yeah, these guys are starting life's a beach, you know. So did you know? That yeah. no fear was Life's a Beach? Yeah. Yeah, I knew the Life's a Beach guys. Yep. Life's a Beach went away, which crushed me. I never understood why. But do you remember those ads for Two Hip? RJ had a clothing, you know, right? RJ had Two Hip. Yeah, and you do mention that in there, too. Like yeah. They just started new stuff and more new stuff and more new stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so I yep. was, I, you know, we were looking for the shorts and everything else, and then, and then no, Life's a Beach went away, like, gone. And then at some point. Bad Boy Club. Bad Boy, that's where I put it together because the Bad Boy Club was the Life's a Beach thing. And then all of a sudden it came out with No Fear, and I'm like, oh, it must be the same guys. So, yeah, because Bad Boy Club. Poor RJ, man. Oh. Poor RJ. He always, has, always ends up on the wrong side of the deal. <laughs> yeah, God, he, was, he, he wanted more support for the car. And that was a whole other thing, too. Like, RJ went into this truck racing, and now he wanted support from the truck racing. And the brothers started racing, and they were like, the brothers got into hardcore. Brian was really good driver, it sounded like, and won a lot of championships in, in, in Trans Am yeah. and stuff. So, RJ really wanted support from them and car racing, but they were supporting Boris Said who was a really good car racer, obviously, judging by what all the things that Boris has done. And, yeah, so it there was a little bit of you know, controversy there, a little bit of resentment from Rick there, kind of like saying, hey, guys, I needed you. I need you. I, you, you know, I helped you guys, and I need you now. And they weren't there for him. Yeah. Um, and who knows, again, it's, you know, all sorts of different sides. But, man, when right. you start digging, peeling the onion back on this no fear thing, you're just like, holy smokes. And then so the guys are all involved in spy now, spy, spy goggles. Which I think isn't doing that well from the sounds of it, but they're all investors yeah. in Spy, and they're also investors in a vodka company that which Mitch Payton also owns a part of. Trust Trust Me Vodka, so they're still out there. They still got some things going on, but I couldn't get the Spy stuff into the story again. I, I got into it with everybody about the Spy stuff, but I'm like, I can't can't fit it in. It's just I can't do this. It's thirty thousand words. So. Oh yeah, it was. It's it's massively. I can't even remember. It's like fifty yeah. pages. Or and, and if one of the insane. and truly, I haven't heard from either brother since I put it out there. Uh, I mm. I think if they were being honest, they'd probably want me to get some of the spy stuff in there because they spoke of it. You know, starting another brand and starting another company and doing this and that. And I'm, 
and it was interesting. It was cool, but I just can't. It's got to end at some point. <laughs> even with a long form. Right. Even with a long form. Right, yeah. even with a long form. So I hope everybody yep. reads it. Um, and, yep. uh, and yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. And so, race right MC is the man. RJ is the man. Yeah. It's just awesome to have those reminders that yeah. I, I'm almost uh, – I got some ideas when Supercross ramps up next year because it'll actually be it's just disgusting to think about, but it'll be 20 years, 2020, since McGrath's been Supercross champ. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's high time that we start reminding people of um, how yeah. Yeah. big and successful yeah. he was. Wow. I mean, I know Carmichael maybe has won more races outright, or James Stewart is spectacular. Um, but as far as straight up, who was a bigger star? Uh it's MC. He was. I think he's the biggest star in the history of the sport, as wow. far as I'm concerned. You don't got to get me talking about MC. Yeah, and I know you're obviously. Yeah. You're obviously Team Stu, but I mean McGrath was the closest to, to touching that mainstream. Listen, I feel I, uh, of anyone. I, uh, Stu could have. I was on. I was on Jeremy's team briefly, uh, Chaparral days, and I was around in his heyday as a greaseball mechanic and. The guy could not have been any cooler or classier to me, being a greaseball mechanic, who just looked up to him. Or when I was yep. on his team, he couldn't have been any cooler, any nicer. Yep. Uh, yep. When I talk to him now over the years at the races, yep. I just the guy is just yeah, he's just uh, he's everything you want in a champion. He's everything you want in kind of a human being. Obviously, he probably has some bad moments, and I know the shorty team didn't go well. You know that wasn't a great thing for him, and all of that. Um, but overall. Yeah, I can't say enough things about the king, man. Like he just—he's awesome. So, no, you, there, there's not a lot in in all the time that has gone. I mean, his first title was '93. There's a long time now. You, there's not very many F. McGrath stories out there. There no. aren't many. No, for considering how long this is. 30-some yep. years of yep. him being a player in the industry. There's not a lot of people pissed at the guy. No, no, absolutely not. And uh, yeah. and you know when I when I called him for this story. I knew things went south with him and Sirwall, and yeah. I said to him, I'm like, hey, man, I don't know if you want to talk about it, like, but I'm doing this story, and I would really you know, need, you, I need you in it, you know? And he yeah. was one of the guys that had to be in it, and he was like, no, man, it's all good. Yeah, I was pissed at the time, but it's all good now. Yeah, I love those guys. I love those guys. And, and, and he still hangs out with Beaver, who was the original, one of the original partners in Life's Beach that had nothing to do yeah. with No Fear, but he still hangs out wow. with Beaver. And Stevie Wright, the helicopter guy, flies him around every once in a while in helicopters. So he's still... Hang with these guys all this time later, some of them. There you go. Yeah. Because he's cool. Right. Because he's the man. Right. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so people, check it out. Thanks for reading yep. it, and I uh, hope everybody appreciates it. And you know what pisses me off when people are like, I can't read that. It's too long. Like, really? That's where we're at in 2019. If you don't have the friggin' story on Instagram for them in, in 140 words or whatever, they're not reading it. Like, it's just brutal. It's brutal when it's you people really say really not that long, uh, honestly. Uh, it sounds like a lot. But the amount of actual time it would take you to read it, I mean, I'm reading it as editing it and taking words in and putting words out or whatever. That's hard. But I really don't think the casual reader to just read it. I, I don't, what, what, what would it really take I, someone? I don't know, dude. 45 but, minutes? But it gets, an hour? it gets me really frustrated when I hear things like that. Like, can you, I don't have time to read something like that. Oh, really? You don't, have, you don't have no time. You have no time. Just impossible. You don't poop every day? What, what? Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm saying it probably is 45 total minutes to read the entire thing. Yep. Which, come yep. on, like that's not that's we're not saying it's eight hours. I know. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand that part. I'll never get that because I've gotten a few comments on that. It was just like you know, yeah. I can't read it. It's just like okay, all right, cool. Well, beat it then. So, anyways, um, all right, I'm going to settle in for an episode of the uh, Vanilla Ice Project. Sound right now? Was he involved? 
No, he prob- probably probably was at some point. I guarantee you, he he was in an Ophir ad have been. At, at some point. He, he had to have been his his apex and theirs. They're <laughs> too close. Yes. Had to have. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. all right, everybody. Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis, Alpine Stars, and Slick Wash. That is the Hawaiian Supercross wrap up slash No Fear long form story uh, talking about that. So, thanks, Wygant. Yep. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse I mean, you know and i know from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did everybody did pro circuits mitch payton there's two ways to make the money one is you can sign for money or two you can earn the money i'm a high believer in earning the money i think they ride better when they earn the money seven time jeremy mcgrath i was so mad like so disappointed and so frustrated that i pulled pick and i left every point counts I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.